This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, guys. Uh, pretty low-key week on the racetrack this week at Kansas. Or not. Ross laid the smack down on some people. And we're going to break that fight down with no other than B.J. McLeod. He's joining us right here in studio to break down all things live fast. You're going to enjoy that interview, hopefully, as much as I did. Stay tuned. Buckle up. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. I'm Corley Joy, driver of the number seven Chevy Camaro, and I'm joined by the normal band of characters and also a very special guest later in the show that I'm pumped up to spend about a half hour with. Mr. B.J. McLeod's coming. So make sure you tune in for that later. But as always, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. How are you? Doing great. How are we doing today? I'm doing great because that B.J. McLeod interview was... Uh, it was really good. It was great. Like I've, that's that's the type of content that I've been waiting for. Did you see his boots? I did. I saw them before I saw him. Holy they had zipper on them, so Merriman would be proud. They would. <laughs> I could see you wearing some of those boots. Some spike boots? The cowhide with spikes. I'm in. I could see you. Lots of spikes. Christmas is coming, boys. My birthday's in those July, are, so. Those are quite impressive. You're never going to get a pair of those boots from me. Not happening. We get to the bottom of his fashion sense here in this interview. Yeah, a lot of good stuff comes out of that one. And then, uh, last but not least, Ryan Flores. Yeah. I wasn't last. Man. Though. We weren't last this weekend. No, we're doing up. 14th. Don't tell me. Don't tell me second. 14th. We're running top five, man. It's dude, yeah. this tire deal is crazy. Yeah, different date codes had everybody all screwed. Did they talk about that in the broadcast? Any? No, but I was wondering about that because uh, I forget who said something about somebody matched them a perfect set of tires or something like Match that. Match perfect, Ooh. staggered special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you ba- can hold it. Basically, they said in the post race, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. So here's the conundrum we had. So I think. Uh, I don't know if there was a similar date code or tire code that they ran somewhere else like Vegas or something. Well, there was like half the allotment for the weekend were old, quote unquote, old date codes, like three or four months different from the new production stuff. So those tires that Goodyear has sitting in a warehouse, it's not climate controlled. So they, a lot of the moisture leaves the tire when it's sitting kind of out in the open with humidity and stuff like that. So when you're running through all your tire sets, you are cataloging serial numbers, circumference, all the things stagger. And you learn pretty quickly that there are new sets of tires and there are older sets of tires. In the instance that happens, what do you guys do as a team? So like from being a tire guy, you look at, there's a couple of different codes when you look at the sidewall of a tire. It tells you the date it was built, the shift it was built on, obviously spring rate, stuff like that. But yeah, it seems like, and this, this is not new, but it's not been a problem for a long time where you get a, date code or or you know you get a date code that's just better that's just like okay hey look back at the data our car was faster on that date code than this one so we need to try to get that set you know at a specific point which i'm here for like it's got to be frustrating as a driver 
And it's definitely got to be frustrating as a crew chief, but like, it's not done on purpose, but like, I love it because, because it, it, it adds a little, one a more of element of strategy little yeah. character to the race. and Another it, variable. it, it's like without putting, you know, reds and blacks like F1 does on, you have that extra, I don't know, variable to the race that causes comers and goers. And you yeah. have to like figure out when to put them on and when you're going to save them. And, and then this weekend was perfect because their fall, it was hot. There was a lot of fall off and you got a lot of cautions there in the third, you know, in the final stage. A lot where, of single car spin outs too. Cause you were on the razor edge of spinning. Yeah. Out. But it was like, okay, do we take them or not? Do we pit or not? What do we do? And it was, I thought it was great. And I think it adds a great uh, element to the race as well. So when you get your allotment, do they give you four from that specific date code or is it mixed match? Yeah. So I think we had, and, and don't quote me on these numbers, I think we had seven sets laying. Seven laying. Yeah. yeah. And then you and had then your practice the set, which was a scuff set Correct. Or that your, a lot of people qual- put your, on. Your, your, your qualifiers. qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. Qualifiers. So out of those seven, three were pretty much old date codes. So then you had the four sets, give or take laying. Yeah. I, I don't know if everybody gets the same amount of old date codes. I think that's how it works. They try to divvy them up, divvy them up even per per team but there was a so playing fields level uh it's the most level but yeah like i I don't think that one team has a full allotment of new day codes and then like our team has seven old sets tires right because that was my question that i was going to ask is like who's making that selection of who gets what tire is that the tire guy or is that good year or is it nascar nascar does the tire allotments because you show up to the racetrack and they're already mounted right and your tire guy goes through them and essentially scans them in, and a lot of teams have software to kind of categorize spring rates and match the sets up and kind of do all the hard work for you. And you guys lease tires, right? Yeah, you, They you go just, back. You don't bring them home with yeah, you. you can't keep them. Yeah. No, you you show up to the racetrack with set up tires, and you leave the racetrack with See, setup. I think that's something new fans probably don't know either. That, well, it's, not, it, it's not important. Like, you, No, look, but it's interesting. Yeah, but look, all you do when you're – all you do when you go short track racing is lease tires too. You just put them on until you burn them up and you throw them out. Yeah, that's right. right? You just don't. It's not like it's an asset. But that's, that's how that's how NASCAR has managed the the testing, right? Because if you could take your tires home, you can go to Martinsville, yeah. rent a track, and go make laps, right? So they they nip that in the bud by just you can't take your tires home. So something too that's interesting: the older date codes had a stiffer spring rate by like fifty pounds, which you know when you're talking about. Would you like to explain that? Or, I mean, it's just there's just so a spring, spring rate, rate of the, the tire, tire, just like a spring rate of your suspension, right? Yeah. But like when you're racing short tracks, you don't have like tire data, like right? What the OEMs have and what Goodyear gives you at this level. But yes, like some people run their spring rates like stiffest at the like when I was on the 14 car, Darren was notorious for wanting to put stiffest spring rates at the front and then get softer throughout the race, right? Uh, it's not a huge, it's not like a huge 500 pound shift, no. It's There's definitely 40, 50 pounds difference. Like every tire guy or crew chief does it different. They either put them in sets for stagger or spring ray or, you know, and then date codes now, a thing that's come back. I remember a couple of years ago at Loudon, it might have been more than 10 years ago at Loudon, it was really important to have certain date codes. I, I like it. I hope it's something that like Goodyear doesn't jump on board and try to address because with our, with, with, Cup racing, there's so many smart people working at the race teams that they're so good at making these cars so fast and easy to drive when they're right that it can make the race boring when someone figures it out. Yeah. But this is another element that 
hey, you got to you got to figure it out. And it adds, you know, it adds the race. I hope it's not something they jump on board and say, okay, we got to fix this and make them all the same date codes. Well, I think there is a way you can make the tire. Oh, so are you saying that everybody should have one set of tires and have to put them on at one point in the race? You got to pick which run you put them on. No, I think you should have like one good set of tires. I agree. Like, <laughs> a, like a super soft, right? And you know, you're going to get 20 laps out of it instead of 50. Yeah. But there's a lot of conversation to be had there. I think that was just kind of a perfect blend of Kansas being a great intermediate racetrack, multiple grooves. This car also, let's not forget, was designed to best deliver at a mile and a half. I mean, yeah, the weather was 90, 92 degrees, so the track temp was probably a buck 25, buck 30. Used, we legitimately saw a pass on the last lap. I mean, what, whatever great. you wanted to call it, it was great. Great. Also, interesting fact that I saw that I would not have expected, Denny Hamlin tying Tony Stewart, career dubs. Wow. It's just, you just, I think the people look at Tony Stewart as like, you know, he's a top 10 greatest driver of all time. We could all agree on that. Denny Hamlin has raced against all those guys, the Jimmy Johnsons and the, you know, Harvick's, Kyle Busch, like all these guys that he's been up against, and he still has as many wins as Tony Stewart. I think that's yeah. pretty, pretty dang impressive. Now- a lot of people have been chirping. They don't like him, quote-unquote, wrecking Kyle Larson at the end. Yeah, what do you think about that? What I think about it is a guy that has no notches in the wind column at that point in time, racing a guy that has two, and I think you have to do everything you could possibly do. But I also don't think that he intended to wreck him. No, it didn't look like it because it's we say on here all the time, what it looks like from the TV is not what it looks like from his driver's For seat. Sure. The five car hit the fence and lost momentum. Right. And you're already – people are sitting on the couch – thinking that it's easy. All you got to do is tune into an in-car camera and just hear all of us. I mean, you were, dude, you were on the razor edge of spinning out. We saw, what, eight single-car spins? It's a bunch. Majority of them were off two. I mean, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, Noah. I mean, the 20. Byron. Like, Byron spun out. Like, Well, the 20 spun out because he ran into the side of the one. Okay, so that'll do it too. But a lot of single-car spins because, dude, you were – three percent of too much throttle application were you guys asked for more horsepower kansas yeah that's what that uh, dude i was gonna ask that seriously because it's been a hot topic what does more horsepower do for you there more single car spin outs i mean so, or i mean or if you go low downforce package there then it probably assume that it probably assumes it's probably the same feel i mean it would be a handful it would be a handful i don't think like i don't think you have to change anything on that nope. package i think it was great i would probably that race i would run that race every week yeah well, even before I the think, finish. I think the variable there is the weather, too, though. Like, Yeah. It was hot. It, it was super hot, and you were sliding around, which, you know, the, the way the asphalt heats up, and you're just losing overall grip. But that particular part of the corner, out of two, you're already – that was where you were pr pretty much the slickest, and you were just trying to get the thing straight because you couldn't overload the right front. You couldn't really lean on the left rear tire for grip there. And as the 11 is – on the left rear of the five, he's already taken some downforce away from him and some side force. And once, as soon as, I think the as soon as the five hit the fence, the 11 at the same time was committed to try to go to his left rear quarter to side draft him. And it was just a little bit of checkup and a little bit of a catch on the left rear. Yeah. And it sits on the left rear stop and you're in the fence. But that Cliff put, was mad. I, I heard you're better than that, Denny. Yeah, I heard something about that. But hey, gotta like, yell that like that. For you got to win. Times. You got to get playoff points. You well, got to get a dub when you can. And that win, freaking hard. That win puts him at forty nine. Yep, he's yeah. one behind Junior Johnson on the all times wins list. So Junior Johnson has fifty. Fun fact about Junior Johnson: hit me. Does not have a drivers championship, but he has six 
championships as an owner. Okay. So, you know, that's a Hall of Fame guy that helped, you know, get the sport <laughs> where it is today that doesn't have a driver's championship. So, Denny, you know. I heard, I heard him say in a post-race presser, you know, he's getting a bit older, so he's got to take the opportunities when he can get them. Because if you give up any of them, you don't know when the next one you're going to get. And he has 60 is the number that he feels like he can get to with career wins. But, I mean, I think but, I mean you look at this with – Which I, I believe Harvick's sitting at 60, and he's 10th all time. Yeah, Harvick. Oh, wow. uh, but but old now, I mean, these, these guys are in – Denny's in better shape now from the looks of it than when he came into the sport, right? Like – yeah, yeah. Denny I mean, is. You look at his when he gets out of the car in Daytona. Was that a um? Was a duel or a shootout? Was when he won in Daytona and yes. he gets out of the car and so is Kevin Harvick, sandwich yes. artist. Yeah. Denny. but like, but Ke- I mean, Kevin a, could race duels, five more years if he wanted to. I, it gets it's weird, and to to Denny's point, you have to strike and strike when the iron's hot for sure. Because like I remember being with Tony, and how many did Tony finish with? Forty nine. Yeah, he's tied. Tony finished with 49. Mm-hmm. Wins, yeah. So I remember when I was there in 2012, there being a 50th win, like... Banner made? In the truck, yeah. ready for it, because we were winning that many races, right? And it, the fall from grace was quick. Well, he got hurt, and that didn't help C- him. Correct, but you never know. Like, it was, like, in 2011 or 12, whenever, like, we won, it was nothing to win five races out of 10, and then you start the year back up, and you win three real quick, and you're like, "All right, we're gonna get this stuff for 50th made. We got to get ready." And then it just goes away. Jimmy Johnson, same thing. Like, but it, like they were you're change winning, crew winning, chief, winning. you change crew chiefs, you get hurt, stuff happens, and then it's like cup racing's hard, man. So when you have a good team around you, you have to strike when the iron's hot. So like, people might say, "Well, that's only 11 wins. 11 freaking wins is hard I could to take come it by." Three but years. But it could also take Denny a year and a half, you know, when they get get hot. Yeah. So that's. Speaking of striking. Uh, Speaking with Denny, too, uh, did you see his reaction? No. So they, Bob Pockers was showing him a video and he said, uh, he watched it and he said, well, he told him to stop. Twice. So he was, he was on Ross's side and then Ross went to victory lane and shook Denny's hand. What are they, chummy? Uh, What are they, lunch buddies now? Maybe, maybe he went and told Denny to watch the replay and. Hey, you can get some of this next time. Yeah, come on over next time you want to phoenix me. Holla at me. Dude, when you walk into somebody's pit and grab them, you're even- Who took that shot, Chuck? Who had that camera? So there were four cameras that are in the NASCAR production studios uh, realm. You had CJ Letirzo was there. Who had the one where he had the shot before he was get, getting his breath, like coming from the front of Ross's car back, and no, so just that like was David, lurking like a tiger. David Harrison and Thomas Lanahan were both right there. So DH is, was shooting art. Lanahan is shooting for screens. So you have those two there, and then so we had two camera angles that were art with sound, one art with slow mo that was Zach mm. Cook. So, <laughs> and then you have broadcast quality no with Lanahan. Huh? Did you guys know what was going to happen? They were all like, that's all in the area. They're like, where everybody's starting to kind of gather. Well, because like, Ross from the yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I talked to Brian today, and Brian said that he saw Noah catch his breath and start walking, looking pissed. And Brian basically said he smacked T- or CJ. and was like, hey, let's go. Like, we're not interviewing anybody else until this I dude goes down here. But if you listen to the audio on those guys, hey, of, those like, guys are pros too. Those guys know what they're doing. Didn't we had two boom mics in there, so you get this full, like, foley artist dream of the. It sounded like punch they were mic'd. Oh. Yeah, I mean, dude, there was a. 
<laughs> so, hey, I mean, dude, Ross hit him so hard, almost fixed Noah's haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody. Have you seen I, the frozen? Like, I think it was NASCAR chasm that has the screen grab of the hair just flared out. Somebody no. said maybe it was Landon Huffman. Is a Noah's hair did a jumping jack. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. Well, hey, but like. But I, like you've been hearing it, somebody needs to go down there and beat his ass. Somebody needs to go down there and beat Brandon his ass. Brandon Poole said it last week. Said it with frosted <laughs> tips last week. Now the guy with the bowl cut's gonna go down there and try to get him some. What? He didn't want none. Well, he kind of wanted, wanted some. He went back, dude. But you better hit. You better hit. If you go down there and grab a Florida man, yeah, especially a watermelon farmer Florida man. Yes. Like you don't grab. He didn't want to punch him. He didn't want to punch him. No. And I, I would say, watching that, Ross is willing to back up what he's doing on the track. One hundred percent. And I'll just, can we just tease the BJ McLeod interview real Please quick? Do. Yeah. yeah. The, the fight about. breakdown yes. that BJ is going to have for for Corey and Flores is second to none. It's yes. it's unbelievable. Stick around for what, that. What, well, before we get to the fight, what do you think about the move? Was it a fightable offense? No, it wasn't a fightable offense. I don't think I don't think the move that. They Noah should. was pissed about was caught on camera. No, no, it was. I was behind it the whole time watching. I was like two or three rows back. So, forty-two tried rolling the outside of of Ross, and Ross gave him plenty of space. But Noah put himself in a bad arrow spot there because you're just you don't have any downforce when you're on the right rear edge or right rear quarter of somebody if you're coming out of four and the wall kind of comes back in like three feet or so. It'll come out and bite you, and he just didn't lift. I mean, he just drove right in the fence, and then. Got a bent toe link, and then he comes down and like gives Ross the door right or whatever, which is what we've seen some other guys do when they get feel like they get stuck in the fence. If soon as your toe link's bent or an upper control arm's bent on the rear, like your day's done. But I think that it's been a week of one festering, right? Or a couple weeks. Talladega, Talladega, which anybody in the field would have taken that hole that he left open. He said, like, which I wonder if there's something there because they're switching Toyota. He said, well, he's a Chevy partner. And you know, he should have went with us to Talladega, which, yo, it's a green-white checkered. Yeah, ain't you, nobody going nobody. If you leave a gap and you don't fill it. You're no longer a racing driver. You're no longer a racing driver. Says Aaron Senna. And then, right, so Noah said in a post-race interview, he said, you know, you got guys like Chase Elliott and these got Danny, like they wanted you to go beat somebody up. So I said, okay. People so need to stay it. away from Ross because he's undefeated. Right. All the people that are talking like that security guard. Shouldn't have stepped in. They did their job. Wrong. Yeah. They're wrong because we've, when we talk about this with BJ, we've all been to short tracks where fights get out of hand. And it's, you you don't need to be, this isn't hockey. This isn't MMA. Yeah. I like that they go up and have beef. Everybody knows if you're going to get into a fight, you better take the first punch because it's going to be over quick. So if you're really that mad. Yeah. You got to you gotta fire one off. And I like the crew guys were lurking, but they weren't involved. And oh, security yeah. got in there before anybody else could. It was an ideal situation. Everybody's way smarter than they once were. Like, the like, crew guys aren't going to fight. Nobody nobody wants to lose their hard You card. say that and somebody does it in Darlington. I'm not doing it. We'll see. Well, not you, but somebody. No, he's old. Yeah. I, I'll get fired up if somebody runs my heels over. Yeah. You know what I'm happy about? What? That now I feel like you're more trusted to start on the front row. Like, it's not like when you got left out, I don't know, like Martinsville. two years ago, a year and a half ago, it was like, what the are they doing why would they do that to him and now i'm like okay let's see where Corey bleeds to like like that's a that's a big sign of like growth for you and your race team like all right everybody trusts you to bring the field to green yeah and you know restart well and not cause a big scrum yeah so like i felt like that was good how was your day um ebbed and flowed we were decent i felt like we had a 15th to 17th place car 
didn't catch the right side of cautions. We were down a lap, kind of buried ourselves from strategy for a little bit. Got back to probably 18th to start the third stage. Cautions didn't fall to our favor. We stayed out, led the field to green one time with like 50 to go. Bled to about six. That was restart zone. It was good. Went a bit early in the box. The 41, Ryan Priest was next to me. He got a good push from the five. Do you feel like you didn't get a good push because you went early? No, this, the 34 didn't keep up. Did you give him a wave? No, because the four, 41 was staggered on my like left side door, so if I'd have gave a wave, he would have saw it anyways. Oh, you think he's – okay. Yeah. So, if you're the so guy – So, he was ahead of – you say staggered. Like, he is right I was from, on the I was on the outside. Oh, you were on the outside. Yeah, 41 was on the inside. So, if I'd have gave like – Now, that's illegal. You're supposed to be nose to nose. I don't think so. I think really? they give you a little bit of a buffer. They do? Yeah. Because I know that was a hot topic with Joey, like – but generally, if you're leading, you can give like a door tap. And but if you're on if you're on the inside, obviously that guy on the outside can't see it. But if you're on the outside, and then you can just kind of peek out your windshield and under like know when he's going to fire. So yeah. went into one. I was probably a door back and just kept it wide open and got some clean air. Led the next corner, and then William Byron drove me by me on new tires. But we held on, and we're actually going to maintain pretty good. I think we bled to like sixth after seven or eight laps and I thought we could have settled in but caution came out and then you're back in dirty air with old tires probably hindsight should have pitted and put tires on there but we didn't and ran 20th the rest of the day so um did you spin out no what's the spin of two just all the cars that were spinning out spun off two the 10 oh, spin, 43 okay. the four uh the 42 spun out right in front of us it was all off of two dude it was so slick really yeah it was like literally like the sun was just beating down on turn two it, it was like the Track temp over there was just hotter. Just it is characteristically slicker over there, but when you factored in the rubber lay down, the track flattens out quite a bit there too. So, man, I'm telling you, if it couldn't have taken three percent more throttle than what you're trying to give really? it, it would just whew. think that's why the five car got in the fence there. Yeah, again? yeah. Wow. Well, that and also the eleven was tucked up. In well, but tight. he hit the fence before. Like that's why the eleven hit him, right? It's because he hit. He kind of. Like, got I mean, it on the fence. You, dude, you had to be so gentle with putting putting throttle down. I mean, it was it was a, it was a challenging race, so it was it was a lot of fun. We saw, I mean, I think Kyle Larson took it fairly well. I mean, I don't know how good you can take it, but <laughs> when, when they were getting during, ready to interview him, he was watching the fight, yeah, the watching fight replay. Fight. So he was like, eh. "Yeah, it's like that watermelon video that that Pockers, uh, tweeted out where he's got the watermelon over his shoulder." Yeah, I think he was, you know, he's kinda, super level headed, yeah. dude. Yeah, almost to a point of irritation. Like I wanted him to be pissed. Well, he's not a fighter, and I was listening a lot to like Dale Jr. Download with Tony Stewart, and Tony was like, "Why would you let Bubba do that to you?" And he's like, "I've never been in a fight. I'm not gonna do it in the on the front stretch of Vegas, my first one. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not gonna get beat up in front of all these people. Yeah, and he's just not, dude. When you see Kyle, this is off topic, but when you see Kyle Larson, he is a small guy, and you're like, you." You're re- you really drive that hard. You don't look like a man that would drive that hard. No, but he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And um, you know what you guys do on pit road? I wish I could say it's unbelievable. It's just, it's pretty cool though. Mediocre. Let's, mediocre best. Mediocre best. <laughs> cool. Uh, pit road boats and woes. Break down some Kansas. We're also going to head our way into the lady in black right after this. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. 
a performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Pit Road Boats and Woes. Do we have any big woes this week? A lot of them. What? Oh, the yeah. two-car wheel fell off. Dude, the 14's wheel fell off. I saw him back up on pit road. The 54 had to stop and back up. The 9 car had to stop and back up. Really? The 2 car had one fall off. The 31 had to repit for a loose wheel. Yeah, it was mm. a lot. Why? Why I think. Yeah. Um, Trying to go too fast? So it's it's a direct correlation to the question Merriman asked. Six of the 10 single fastest four tire stops of the year were done this weekend. Yeah. Now on the pit box, there is... A thing where you can just go look, like the cars have accelerometers in them. So most teams have it up on their box. Like right after the pit stops, you can see how fast your stop was. Relative to everybody else? Everybody's. You can yeah. just see everybody stop. And I think that when you start seeing faster stops, people start reaching for that. Mm. And the only way to start reaching for that is taking bigger risk. And I, I think that, you know, some guys fall in love with the number and, you know, with a certain number trying to, you know, be faster. And you just... This pit stop, man, is it pit road is as hard as it's ever been. And the risk the risk matches the reward, but the risk is really high. So yeah, the, um most of the guys who lost wheels lost them on pit road, so they won't be suspended. The two car lost one. And uh those guys will be suspended for the next two weeks. But uh but yeah, a lot of a lot of issues this week. And, you know, even the the eleven car comes back after a rough week of uh getting kind of drugged through the mud and they come back and they go uh, keep them in contention. Yeah, that's all you got to do. That's it. Keep it's, them in there. I mean, so much of it is just keeping your guy in the race, right? Yeah. Like, it's okay. Like, just don't have the catastrophic mistake. There's going to be times where, like, somebody hits one. Like, the 99 did it, right? They hit one and they gained five spots. But then they, you know, hit another one and they lost their right front tire. Uh, so I've seen that. The six car did it last week. It's like the carrier comes back, and at, at practice, a lot of times, like the carrier kind of just drops the tire because you're not really thinking about it. So you always kind of play how you practice. Mm -hmm. So you kind of drop that tire just assuming someone's going to catch it, and it takes a bad bounce at the track, and it's gone. Mm. So, yeah, that happened. But the fastest boys on pit road this weekend, per our numbers, 23 team. You got them guys? Hey. You got them guys listed? Yeah, we got uh, front changer Austin Dickey. Oh. Guy was on your car. Come from Hendrick. Dog. Tire carry, Brad Donahue. There you Heavy go. Duty. Yeah. Heavy Duty. Heavy Duty, dog. Dog. Won championship with 18. Yeah. Rear changer, Adam Hartman. Dog. Dog. Davidson. Davidson local. Is Jack it? man, Jordan Page. Ooh, one of the fastest guys on pit road. Dog. Dog. And then the fueler is Joshua Peck. 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 I want to say Pesci. Fuel dog. Pesci. Yeah. P-E-C-H. Pesci. Yeah. Josh Peck. Peck. Yep. So those guys, uh, you know, that's got to be really big for 2311. 
Um, Bubba ran good. Where did he finish? Fourth? They ran well. Yeah, fourth. And, and, they, and they, you know, they started their own pickers this year. It's a big leap of faith and the, to, you know, get your own guys and ship with uh, coaching that. Deal his first year coaching him and Houston Stamper kind of helping out in the roles. That's that's a huge deal for those guys and a big shout out to them. You raised your hand, Merriman. You got something to say? Yeah, something that uh, that we posted <clears throat> this week on Twitter about uh, radios being connected back to the race shop. So yeah. How how does that what what's that evolution and what's Gibbs, that do? Yes. Gibbs was the first ones they have they have an intercom system. So during the pit stop, all the guys like you can just talk just like this right now. And it's basically the same thing we have on right now. You just hear each other so you can tell each other when there's a problem instead of having to look at it and recognize it. Now like after you tighten the left front up, do you give like a yip? No. If I if I like if it was me, I just wouldn't say anything. You know, I would that way it's quiet and then if you hear something you know that there's something wrong. For me, I don't I don't know what other people want. But um but yeah, so that has from like what I saw at Gibbs, I saw that as well, that post that you guys had, is their coach, Brian Holland, can talk to them from the control room to the racetrack, like live on their intercom, like, hey, you know, I'm seeing this. This is what you can adjust with or good stop boys or hey, you suck. Knowing him, he one time I showed up to practice with a mustache and he said uh, he was the Xfinity coach at uh, Penske. And he said, you know, there's a certain amount of responsibility that goes with wearing a mustache. And I had a bad stop and he made me uh, go to the bathroom and shave it. It stops of practice. <laughs> so, yeah, he's old, he's old uh, North Dakota hockey guy. So, yeah, a lot of good memories with him. But, yeah, they, those guys have been on the forefront of that. And I think some more teams are starting to get them. You see more and more up and down pit road. I'd say it'd probably be something that most teams have in the next year or so. So, yeah, definitely a uh, a new trend. But – Another another straightforward four tire race this weekend, you know. The lady in black, buddy. I love it. I love it. You know what I like the most about it now with these new cars is Tell when me. you hit the fence, it doesn't crinkle the fender anymore. Yeah. I just there was always just that one point in the race where you're beating the fender out and crush panels all folded in the yeah, tire. Yeah, just everything. You're trying to make sure that you're not going to have the tire get cut down again. It's just a blue collar day now. Now you just got to go out there and fix the tow link. Yeah, hopefully not. Because if you got to fix the toe link, your day's not going as you intended. Yeah. So but your boys, your boys still have the fastest pit stop of the year per our numbers here. So what was it nine four? Uh, nine three. Dang, original. So, you know what they are? There's a group of dogs. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna give me some spots this weekend. I'm excited about it. I think, man, we were, we found our way towards the back end of the top ten both races there last year. So I just have to do my job and stay out of the fence. Give myself a little bit of wiggle room because that place, man, it will bite your ass in a second you know what's interesting this what? race last year um this race last year p1 on pit road was like a 10-1 uh and that was the five car that did like one stop right like a like a good race yeah. average here last year a really good race average was like a 10-3 this year this race that would put you like 15th 16th and you're you're having an average in the nines to even be in the top 10. So just pit road has come so far so fast. And it's interesting to see, you know, just how much faster guys are getting. And, and, you know, to that point of why so many wheels are falling off, why there's so many issues, everybody's starting to realize that, you know, these guns get lug nuts really tight and they're, they know that if they, the faster they can go on with their, you know, on putting the lug nut on and not staying on it to labor it, 
there's a lot of speed there coming back off. So there's a lot of uh, guys kind of towing that line and, and being aggressive. And like I said, risk equals reward, but you're definitely taking the risk on this stop. So it'll be interesting to see who's able to uh, P1 at Darlington to win the race and to be the fastest team on pit road all day. That's a really, that's a place that you have circled. Um, that's kind of a pit competition before we go to our pit competition at North Wilkesboro. I'm excited to get there. I'm excited you for it to come too as well. Throwback weekend. It's coming right up. But, man, stay tuned. You do not want to miss BJ McLeod's waiting in the wings. Let's get him in here and sit down for a little bit for the most interesting man, in my opinion, in NASCAR, Macho Man BJ McLeod coming right up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys. Like I've been talking about all show, super excited to get one of my favorite people in the garage finally to sit down with us in studio. The guy whose story's not told enough, the guy who people need to know all about, to my right, Mr. BJ McLeod. Yeah, thanks for having me in, man. Yeah, appreciate you coming in studio. And I just wanted to come chop it up with you for 15, 20 minutes. Sounds good to me. Because there is so much more to the story than people see on a broadcast to this guy bit. right here. Yeah, we've been telling the story for uh, I'm 39. My first race, I was two and a half years old. So it's been going a little while. You know what? A lot of things I love about BJ McLeod, but one of which is like you know for certain that you are going to win a race, whether it's Finity, whether it's Cup, like there are some guys who are in it for like a, you know, a business venture, which obviously there's reasons you're doing that as well. But like you are no slouch behind the wheel, multiple time winner growing up Orlando Speed World. And the list goes on and on. People just assume that, you know, you, myself, we run in the back because we're not as talented. That's not the case sometimes, which is what I'm excited to talk to you about. But you have not let go of the fact that you are by God going to win you a NASCAR race. Yeah, I'm How do you see that? Yeah, I you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I just don't look at it not happening. I just, you know, if I wake up one day and I tried and I realize that I am too old and I feel like I can't I can't drive to the top of my ability anymore, then I haven't won a race. It is what it is, but at least I tried my entire life to do what I wanted to do. So, you know, that's why I really I don't ever look back. But it's definitely been a fun journey trying to get there and there's a lot of stories told along the way. And I think for us, you know, it's I believe that, you know, my wife tells me every now and then she's like, you need to realize that you do win in some ways already. Yeah. Right. And 
I don't see that because all I want, I want to race really. I mean, like you want to race better. I want to race like you, like where you're at, the things you're doing right now, stuff you did last year. Like I look at that, like, okay, I just want to get to being as competitive as Corey and, and the Spire group and, and pulling stuff off like they do. And then as soon as I, if I was able to get there, the first thing I would think is what you think now. Yeah. I want to win. Need like, a little I, more. Yeah. I, it's just our, it's our nature, right? Because that's the only way we made it to the level we're at now is having that mentality and that drive and the determination to make that happen. That's why. So you're never satisfied, but it's, um, it's something that, you know, I enjoy chasing and I do listen to her now more than than ever and and pay attention to the fact that there are several, several things we've succeeded at and not not winning a race is not everything but it's still extremely important to me well absolutely i mean we're both got competitive guys who want to be successful and the way you can quantify success is by winning races right but you've won over 100 super late mile races if you were racing in florida and you were racing a super late modified like you were the guy they had to beat so you have had a bit of an unconventional route to being a cup driver. Obviously, you own part of Live Fast. That's been a grind to just build that through the Xfinity Series. And you have found yourself, along with Matt Tift and Joe Falk, as one of the 16 charter owners. So what is the – one, how did you get here? And two, why did you do it? You know, I think when I was younger, to try to sum this up as quick as I can, I just dreamed of being a race car driver. That's it. And, you know, honestly, very young, it was Indy. Indy, Indy cars is what I wanted to drive. And You're a little bit this, too big to drive Indy cars. Yeah, well, that, that's why I figured that out at age eight when I was five foot five <laughs> and 160 pounds, right? So I, um, I, I switched. I truly switched because of passion, not just because of size. But I wanted to be in stock cars before age 10 for the rest of my life. That was my dream. So, you know, trying to, trying to get to that level, I just dream to be in a race car driver so then it was like go win as many races as you can win i was fortunate enough to have parents took me to racetrack every weekend put a lot of money into me racing and making sure i had a good equipment and and we did we went and won i'd say we won at least one out of three you know somewhere in that area so it um you know it started on the path of i'm just going to be a driver and i'm going to make it right so i got a chance to come test test a car for the herzogs uh at an asa test in 2001 it was when jimmy was leaving the nationwide car i think at the time it was a bush series car i got a chance to test that deal and i actually did pretty well and and they were gonna they were gonna put me in and there were some was things the so the test was actually at concord and oh, uh, yeah oh, that's it, right it was a blast did you and, wide over to the dog leg yeah i was one of two there at the test that like did it right oh, yeah and, and i actually ran 70 they had me do a 75 lap run and i varied two laps i varied two tenths and i told them i made mistakes on the downhill into into what you call three right yeah. but anyway um i ran the other 73 laps and never varied more than 400s and i was 16 or 17 at this time somewhere Locked in that area in. so i got the shot to move up to to go test six the at that time i think it was bush car it was odd because there were some agents mixed up in it and some other stuff that i won't go into details but regardless i was you know i was in a position where I was going to have to get rid of the person that had represented me that had got me the opportunity. And bottom line was I just wasn't going to do it. So mm. I turned down the deal. It had nothing to do with Herzog's. I want to be clear about that. It was all agents in the background, but you know, regardless, um, it ruined the, the one opportunity that I had to make it right then it sent me back to Florida. Right. So that decision I'm fine with, and I'm still fine with it today. I'm actually happier because I've always had a soft pillow and it's because I treat people right. So, yeah, you know, it, we, we, 
turn that into does it have skulls on it actually oh, hopefully not spikes <laughs> so we actually we looked at a bed that has a big skull on the on the back part of it does it so. blow flames out whenever you <laughs> no, lay down? no no flames <laughs> but you know regardless i had to uh regroup and i just went back home and started winning super late models super late model races because it's what i loved and um at that time i was like you know what i'm just gonna race super late models i'm not gonna chase nascar I'm not gonna try to make it I'm not gonna do any of that I'm just gonna win and build businesses so got fortunate enough to to get kicked off owning a you know, excavating type demolition, just side deal that I ran myself and ended up, you know, working towards on and on and more stuff like that. And through that time, I just realized that my passion was racing and, and that's what I wanted to go after. So that's when we ended up, you know, years later switching to um, driver development because I'd been a uh, instructor at finish line racing school. And I had sent kids that were coming to that school to teams that are up here now and, and other teams in Florida to learn how to drive. And I was like, you know what? I build race cars. I built them since I was 12. Like I might as well build some cars and, and keep the kids working with me and develop them through. So one thing that's really cool about my life is the first one that committed to me was Scott Hecker. And the second one that committed to me was, um, Matt Tift. That's and cool. now, oh, that's now cool. I own a cup team with them. Right. So yeah. it just shows that, you know, if you treat people right, good things happen. And that's where, you know, working with them to what, 13 years ago, I still Scott race for us. If not last year, the year before, yeah, I can't America, remember, right? Somewhere. Yeah. So um, regardless, it's been fun on this journey. And, and we started that to start building revenue to build teams because I wanted to be the one that, you know, owned the team and could decide when I drove and, and you know, how many, how many times I drove and if I could find the right sponsorship. So, you know, that was really the direction that switched me to actually pushing the team owner side was to secure being a driver at the same time because the sport's very tough. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a hard sport to survive a year and let alone 10 or 20. I mean, it's, it's difficult. No doubt. So you start acquiring some Xfinity cars so you could race yourself, but at what point did your focus kind of shift to realizing what the long-term potential value of owning a NASCAR charter was. So I want to give Jessica credit again. <laughs> she told me in 2016 when we actually um, were about halfway through the season in Xfinity that year, she said, we need to get a charter. And I'm like, which was like the second or third year. Second year. Okay. It started. So it's actually the first year I believe it operated. 15 okay. was 15 was when they were conceived. But okay. I, um, you know, I just thought it was funny that, she said that, and I actually looked up an old text because I didn't believe her. And we were arguing about it one day and I'm like, she's right. Cause I, I sent somebody a text asking to try to buy the charter. Right. So anyway, we, um, we had that idea back in 16, we didn't have the infrastructure in place. We didn't have the building in place. We had a lot of work to do and probably would have never come through if I could have got an opportunity to buy it. But the idea was there then. And we knew that if we wanted to be here long-term, that's where we wanted to go. Hmm. So then the mission was really just build up people because number one thing is having great people for the for the team and the business to be able to succeed. So we, um, we used Xfinity for those, you know, for the last seven or eight years to build up and, and get familiar with the, you know, being gone 33 weeks a year with Xfinity and cups 38. Right. So just getting used to everything and, and trying to get the right people in place. We bought a building, we did other things. We've got several haulers now, like we did a lot of stuff and, and along the way we got to help some really cool kids and, and have fun racing. Right. And I actually haven't drove for my Xfinity team very much at all. Like it's, it's been other people most of the time. So really enjoyed all that. And then we were in place when, um, COVID came and the next gen car was coming and there were some owners wanting to get out and it was just the right time. And, and I remember riding back from, uh, Atlanta when they sent us home, I was in the passenger seat of a minivan with the hoodie over my head, yeah. just kind of half asleep. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to use whatever time we're off 
to go buy a charter. And we had one secured in about two and a half months. We had a deal. Man. So it's kind of wild. How many, how many people have you been able to like keep from your Xfinity team, the groom to be on your cup team? Right now there's two that, um, that were on three that were on my Xfinity team all the way back to 2016. Deal, man. Yeah. It's, and it's my crew chief right now. I met him when I was eight years old. He's from Central Florida, same place I'm from, a couple, 15 minutes away. When I started Xfinity team, he had been up here working on different teams for two decades. And I called him and I'm like, I want you to be a part of whatever I build. And he's like, I'll be there tomorrow. So it's uh, That's cool. It's been a cool story. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're proud about to the point of your career now? And also, what are some things you're excited about for the future of where we're going? Yeah, you know, I think I remember my first truck race in 2010. And I parked on pit road after the race and I sat there for, you know, a couple, probably a couple minutes. And I was like, may never run another race. Cause I only had money for one race at that time. Mm -hmm. And I remember that feeling. And now every week I'm like one of the last ones to get out of the car on pit road. And the reason why is I do that every time because I tell myself this race might be the last one that yeah. way you stay driven and, and keep working to be better because yes, I have over 300, I got, I think I'm close to 350 starts now and, um, over a hundred of them, I think probably 120, 130 are in cup. And I was very, very thankful and, and thought of it as an awesome achievement to be able to run one truck race. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, I just always have focused on making sure that I didn't forget what it meant to be in NASCAR. Right. Because you can say what you want. You can do what you want. It's these drivers are incredible. The teams are incredible. The people that make up the teams are unbelievable. The people that everybody in this industry from NASCAR teams, drivers, fans, it's all elite. It's all awesome. It's great to be a part of. And I make sure I remind myself of what challenge it is to get there and that we did get there and that we have run so many races. So that's yeah. one of the things I'm proud of. I am looking forward it's really the drive I've had in the last six to eight months, maybe a year is more than I've ever had. I have more determination. Why is more, that? I don't know. I can't, I can't answer it. Like, it's just, I think that, you know, it's just maybe the point of being now, able, is that the, is that drive to become a better race car driver? Or is that drive to make the team better? Is that drive to everything? It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's something I have to work on in parallel because they're both incredibly important to me. I, I love being a race car driver, but I love being a successful business owner too. And any NASCAR cup series owner is a, is a, is a business owner. So it's cool to try to build them both at the same time, but I'm very, very driven to get the success on track from a driver standpoint and an owner standpoint, I'm very, very out of patience of running 30th. Let me put it that way. Or so with this next gen car, I was 35th or 36th last year, every race on speed, except two. Mm. Right. And it's like, that's tough to swallow. And what are some of the things explained out of like what you, what sort of technology or resources you guys don't have for the setup of the car, essentially what it translates to. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult being a small team. Cause you know, there's a thing called a, a key partner, I guess is mm -hmm. the term you would use. And it's, um, you know, we, we have to, we have to dig a lot harder to get, to get information and arrow notes. Yeah. And tire data. And you know, with this new car, the arrow is unreal, man. Dude, like it's, you're, you're 60 thousandths of a round away from being good or bad. You are. And it, it, it'll be in the like, first time I had a really, really bad car. I'm like, Oh, we're, we need to go back shop and 
rebuild it. And then they changed one round on the right rear on height. And I'm like, wow, we're okay. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, it, it blows your mind because every time in my life of driving anything I've ever driven, something that felt like that, you go back and change springs, bump stops, oh, yeah. sh- you know, shock, shock, shock shims. Like, I mean, you're way out in left field and this thing is, it is very aero sensitive, especially underneath. And it's uh it's difficult to get a hold of, but you know, at the same time, that's one of the, one of the cool things about it. What are, we talk about it at length, like the gap between Xfinity and cup, what are some of the hard parts, not just from the driving standpoint for team owning, making that leap? Like what were some of the growing pains of that? You know, I really think for us, it was a little bit easier than, than some people because Xfinity we made, we, we were able to survive because we hunted scuff tires and we shared a pit crew across two cars and we brought pit boxes that, you know, weren't really up to standards. We saved money in a lot of areas and, and all that takes a lot of work to do that, to, to be able to keep going with cup. You either can afford to do it the right way or you don't show up. Yeah. Right. So I've actually enjoyed the cup side and felt like, you know, I'd say the hardest thing for us was the capital up front to get next gen cars, right? Like they're, they're very expensive, but I like it because I can look forward to knowing that I have the same pieces. If we figure out how to put them together, right? I have the same pieces as the car went in the race. And three years ago, you couldn't even come close to saying that. So that's, that's something that I enjoy about it. But I really feel like our switch over from Xfinity to cup was really easier for us because now you can either afford to be there or you can't, there's no, there's no saving money. Well, it's like when you own a cup team, I feel like what the way I look at it now with the charter, when you own a cup team, when you're done, you have something to sell. Absolutely. Where when with the Xfinity team, when you're done, it goes to an auction yes. and you get pennies on the dollar. So I was wondering that. I was like, I just think it's very fascinating, like what you do. And like, I remember having a conversation with you in Vegas. We brought the 12 Xfinity car and you're like, hey man, you didn't even know it. You're like, how many more times are you guys going to race that car? Because I got to know how many cars to bring yes, to the race I, remember, I actually remember that conversation yeah. now that you mentioned it. Yeah, I remember I it like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worried about making the race. Yeah. You know? It's like, because you guys bring, you know, A-class cars and, and we know we're not going to out-qualify that car. And it's like, do I have to worry about telling whoever's driving my car, hey, we might go home that weekend? Like, that's the life we lived for several, several years. There's a million different ways I'd love this conversation to go. But I wanted to go current events, where we're at as a sport, behind the wheel. The Ross and Noah fight. Yeah, when you watched it, what'd you think? You know, first off, this is a, this is a weird subject, right? Because I I like the entertainment, you know, aspect of it. I think it's fun for our fans to watch. I also get concerned because if you let the right people start fighting, people are going to get hurt, and you're going to be in the hospital, right? Like this is um, it's a serious subject that I take a pretty strong stance on. I do not believe we should be allowed to hit one another out of the car. I totally do not agree with it. I am a big MMA fan. I love watching fighting. And there's a reason why there's weight classes. There's a reason why there's a ref. There's a reason why there's a cage. There's a reason why you're medically cleared to fight. You're fresh when you go in there. You're not getting out of a car after three and a half hours and and trying to figure out which direction you're pointed. And, you know, the fumes and stuff we deal with sometimes, it's like you you can't get in a fight and get hit hard or get hit right and really take a chance on hurting someone so so what you're saying is we need to set up a ring in the infield ball field <laughs> and put so, sock and boppers on our hands so so if we it, it, this is the thing if you if you put some big old gloves on yeah. then then you're not going to get hurt yeah. right and, and make sure the pit crew members are nowhere near you because That's what it, i don't like either yeah I'm not if you anybody look at me yeah I'm if you if you let those pit crew definitely members not get fighting i'm ass. definitely well, not fighting you I, no, especially I'm not. boots on <laughs> look at that ring that's something yeah. that should be yeah. impaled in my forehead <laughs> i actually do race with it on too uh, I yeah think, i know because you give me knuckles i'm like dude 
the, yeah. the hand hurts now. <laughs> Take that thing off. That's yeah, not geez. SFI. Yeah. So left you know, side weight tugging on that. Thing. <laughs> I think for me, it, you know, I it would be cool. I I definitely would support it if we had gloves and stuff. People wouldn't get hurt, but I don't want to see somebody get hurt real for you know yeah. for real, right? Yeah. And if if the security guard doesn't get in the way of Ross and Noah, I'm friends with both of them, right? Noah's gonna hurt Ross and maybe 45 seconds right you can actually hurt ross he, he's I, like a legit florida man yeah well i'm yeah, you're I'm, a florida I'm, man I'm, yourself exactly <laughs> it takes there, one to know right? what. and it's like i'm not i'm just saying there's a 35 pound weight difference yeah. right yeah. and you know if, if noah waited till he caught his breath i'm sitting there watching him on the side after he gets out of the car with the videos he and i'm did, like yeah. he waited till he got his breath up like he was he was ready to go right and ross is just sitting there debriefing like no intentions of fighting somebody did a heck of a job i mean he, he clocked him good but you see also with the weight difference it didn't rock noah right like didn't even phase him he come over him right quick and yeah. and the security guard ate it not yeah. ross right and I just I don't want to see somebody get hurt. Just got Joe Rogan here breaking yeah. his fight down. He's going now. I'm about to, be, about yeah. to jump in Affliction there. Too. Sponsorship. He's showing yeah. it. Well, the point is, you know, I, I learn about all this stuff because you need to be able to defend yourself, right? And I just see, I just see, you know, a bad, a bad. I don't like. I don't want to go that direction. I want to wreck one another in the cars. If I'm mad at you, I'm going to wreck you. If you get out and try to fight me, I'm going to try to get away from you because I don't want to fight. I don't want to hurt somebody. But to me, I understand. I think I will. We've, I'll live the fight on another dude, day. We've all been <laughs> at like New Smyrna when something gets out of hand, right? Oh, yeah. and it's like what, like every time a fight gets out of hand at a short track, it's like what the are we doing, yeah. right? Well, that's, like that's but but like but then that that being said, at, at our top, like I wish we had the security at New Smyrna on a Saturday night that we have at you know Kansas, Kansas, because the security did a great job. It got escalated. They let them talk. He, if someone walks up to your car after the race and grabs you. Like it's that. over. It, you, yeah. You're gonna have to. You what, I'm one of as us. Much is getting, one of us is getting hurt. Correct. Right? Like I have no doubt that there's there's four. And or it's five not people. gonna be the guy with the skull hanging around his neck. Well, on okay, but here's the <laughs> thing, though. One reason, one reason I'm so against it is you just don't know. <clears throat> yeah, you just right. Don't like know. Yeah. so, I'm I'm 240 pounds right now. Okay, six foot one. So how much lead does your have your car have? It's pretty low. My crew chief complains about it all the time. <laughs> like, I actually don't know Are the you number. Thirty pounds heavy? Yeah. I've, I, well, I'm not heavy, but it's uh, it's definitely not a lot of ballast to move around. Yeah, they right? probably have like I don't know, a couple pencils it's in your left a, side. Yeah, but, Bubba Pollard and Jimmy Blewett win races. That's no a, doubt. <laughs> yeah, but where I'm going with it is, you know, I anybody 170 ish or up can knock me out with one hit. Right now, the little guys know they definitely don't have a chance. I can stand there and just eat punches, no problem, because they don't know what they're doing. But if you get like like McGregor, he's fought at 135, right? I would be scared to death. Oh. I would run as fast as I could. And it would be funny because I'm probably four inches tall. I don't know his height, but, and I outweigh him a hundred pounds when, it, you know, when he fought at that weight. I talked to a guy that I, fought him once. Yeah, really? Eddie Alvarez. Oh, okay. I talked to Cowboy too. That's he cool. said that cool. hits hard. Oh, it's got yeah. concrete. That's what I'm saying. Like, you just don't know. And that's why I'm not. I'm not a fan of how good how how the fights are going right now because sooner or later somebody's going to get stitches and mm. a tooth knocked out or something. And I mean, it's going to start getting real, and that's or, what I don't like. Or worst case, yeah. hurt their hand, break their hand, not be able to race the following week. That's yeah. like yeah, the worst possible thing, right? Like, yeah. there's a balance to it for sure. But something too I wanted to touch on. Did you did you race with Ross in Florida? I never did. No, okay. he was I after don't me. Know if he was that rough growing up or not? Yeah, <laughs> was he? I am proud of him for standing his ground, though. Oh. And he said stop. Twice. And Noah didn't listen. And I'm like, Noah got – he had it coming, right? Yeah, like, Ross, Ross did everything right. Yeah. I just – I just – I'm not yeah, a Yeah, he covered, covered his strong arm, too, because, you know, yeah. we talked about it. He leads with the right, so you got to cover it. 
Yeah. Man did his homework. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, something, too, that doesn't get talked about in the broadcast hardly ever, because most of most of our drivers-only conversations or meetings with NASCAR are behind closed doors and, and rarely does like any sort of input or stuff get out there. But people would be surprised how much respect drivers as a whole give you when you speak up in meetings. I don't know if you realize that or not. I don't. Yeah. When people, and you're not a man of very many words, but when you do speak up, people listen, right? And it's cool to see somebody that is making a name for themselves as an owner, as a driver, just doing the grind, speak up with the Kyle Bushes and the Kevin Harvick and the people turn around and listen to what BJ has to say. Do you think that that, one, do you take a little bit of pride in that? And two, where do you think and why do you think that is? Well, definitely going back to earlier, you asked some of the successes. One of them I didn't mention was if I never win a race the rest of my NASCAR career, I actually know that all the winners of our sport and all the people that are trying to win, including you, respect me as a driver and believe I can drive. And that's something three years ago I wouldn't have said. Okay, like I wouldn't have known that other people think that. But since, you know, and, and like I said, in the last three or four years, I've had several people tell me, we understand what you're driving. Keep trying. Just keep working. You can wheel. Like just different times, different comments. And that means the world to somebody like me from from people that have won races and championships in our sport and, and the level you're racing at right now. Like it's just it's it's big and it's a huge success and i absolutely appreciate it it's one of the greatest accomplishments of my life to earn the respect of the nascar garage that is something that is unbelievably important to me um i don't i think the reason why is everybody there like everybody's got this idea at short tracks that and I, i've seen it when i was racing that you can't make it unless you got a huge check you can't make it unless you got this or that you can't you can't you can't right it's not Everybody there will support you if you work hard. Absolutely. You need money. It takes money to race cars, right? But you have to work and get it, right? Like you yeah. have to figure it out. There's ways to to get it without mom and dad writing a check, right? And right now, I think the drivers in the garage, the teams in the garage, the people in the garage that work on the cars, they've seen how much work and dedication and determination I've put in over the last decade and a half, and they appreciate it and they respect it. Right. And, you might be working on like anybody. It. Yeah. yeah, it's people that realize that no people that know or somebody that's loaded their own race car up and hauled it to the racetrack. Yeah. yeah, you might be working harder than anybody. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned it, and that's something too of like you know to your point, it takes a lot of money to make, it and you have to get the right brakes at the right time, and but those doors don't open unless you turn the knob. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's also the racing community, as much as everybody's competitors, there's so many guys such as yourself. For me, it was a person like Robbie Benton when he owned his Xfinity team of just asking for things. And those people are so willing to say yes. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ask the question, the answer is yeah. always no. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Right? So who were some people when you were growing up just starting that you were just asking and they were happy to help out? Well, you know, if you're talking about NASCAR times, like first one's Mike Hillman Sr., basically the whole Hillman family. Like they, they did everything they could, and they couldn't have done that without the Germains. Mm -hmm. Germains always said okay or helped me or, or did whatever, you know, they Another, asked. another Florida guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you well, know, Florida that, Mafia that was a start. Together. Yeah, but yeah. it was like, you know, Bobby Daughter. Well, I can remember. Nuttier and squirrel shit. That's why they're <laughs> running together. <laughs> I can remember going into Bobby Daughter's office in 2009, probably 2010, and aggravating him every day. Please let me start and park a truck. Like, please, please, please just, you know, wearing them out. And then, you know, Rick Ware for the cup car, right? Like, yeah. I, as soon as I seen Rick had a cup car in 2017, I was like, hey, man, let me run that car. And Is his Rick family, from Florida, too? 
No, okay. no he's, he's, he's completely on the other side. But, um, you know, I got, I got just, I really pushed and worked hard to get these people to say yes. And Johnny Davis, you know, same thing with him. And, and, you know, there's other Carl Long, I've called him and asked to drive. There's, there's ones I'm not remembering right now, but those are the ones that I remember me aggravating to the point that I really think a couple of them said yes, because they knew I could drive. Right. And they just wanted to stop calling them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I actually believe, I believe yeah. a couple yeah. of them were that way. They're like, you know what, if he wants it that bad, let's see it. Squeaky. We all get degrees. Yeah. I, I, I have to ask an important question. Ask. I could lead with a story, but then I have to ask a question. So we're in Daytona racing the road course. I'm changing tires for Brad Keselowski. You're next to us. You weren't driving. You had somebody in your car. You're on top of your pit box. Me and my jackman, Pat, are talking, and uh, he has both earbuds out. I have one in, thankfully. And he says, would you believe that BJ McLeod has affliction flip-flops on? Where the hell do you find it? Because you're no, you're an affliction partner now, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. He said, "Where do you find affliction flip flops? Where do you find <laughs> boots?" He's We're talking about this. Holy We're mom. talking about this. And Brad misses the last chicane. No. And he's on pit road. Thank God I had one earbud on. We were talking about your affliction flip flops. He almost missed the damn pit stop. That's funny, man. So That's I, a good I story. Tell you that story. How do his um, toes look? Does a man have nice affliction flip flops? <laughs> um, I, I tell you, you that got story nice toes, BJ. Because oh, the the decent. question at like. <laughs> I have to know this. You graduated at 16, 2000, from Highland County Christian School with honors. Yep. You know, wh where does this style come from? You know. That's I've, a great question. I gotta know. It I gotta know. <laughs> no, it is. And I wish I could answer it, right? Like, I remember, I remember my mom said, always be different, right? This is, I remember this five years old. She's like, don't dress like everybody else. Don't look like everybody else. Just be different. Like, be, be what makes you feel good, right? And I don't know why, but for... I, I liked skulls when I was five. Like I would walk through the mall and I had to have a t-shirt with a skull on it or a bracelet with a skull on it. Right. Like I just never, I just always liked skulls and it's turned into tattoos and you know, all kinds of my, my emblem for BJMM has got a skull in it and it has no special meaning behind it. It just is what I like and the way it looks, it's cool. I enjoy it and I like the way it feels. So love that. that's, that's just why I do it. And the flip flops, I'm like, you know, if I had made it, made it back in 2001 and been able to win a championship or, you know, do all this cool stuff that, that other people were able to do, if I had done that, I'd have been wearing whatever I was told to wear that whole time. Yeah. You know what? These last 20 years, I've wore whatever I wanted when I wanted. Love and that. now, owning the team, I, I run a cup car and I get dressed. I dress how I want. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it was cool. We got Blaster for a sponsor last year. And um, first thing they did was send me polos with skulls on them. I was like, that's a coolest sponsor. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, like they, your audience. They did. Yeah. They, they said it straight to me. I'm like, that's so awesome. So maybe cool. your wife gave him a hint though. Like, Hey, like kind of like skulls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you just need to have that to ask her. <laughs> it's pretty well out there. So I want, I want to land the plane by asking you this and also some three questions afterwards, but how can you now as a team owner work all the leverage and connections you have currently owning a car in a cup garage, owning some several Xfinity cars we saw. Was it Chase Briscoe ran a BJ, uh, live fast car Charlotte last year? Hauled BJMM, ass. yeah. It was two years ago. Okay, two years ago, somewhat of conjunction with Stuart Haas, right? There's some, there's, you, there's been a lot of help throughout the the garage. Of people wanting to help you out. How can you find yourself in a damn race car? We can see you up front winning a race, whether it be on Saturday. Sunday's hard because like there's 30 cars that go in a race. But right. Saturday, how can we get you in? How like how can we get a good you know, car in there for you. I'm finished in building relationships with my partners currently and, and working on things every day to get to where I can go and, and get a car from RCR and try to go win an Xfinity race. Right. And it's like, 
it, it at what know, track would you pick darlington hands down first one mm-hmm. like i you know vegas sticks out in my head because it's got some characteristics to it now that you really have to pen three and four yep. and it's like it's turned into a fun mile and a half right yep. so there's a couple that that i'm definitely after but it will not be a short track like yeah. i i've won i don't know how many short track races in my life a lot yeah, got that trophy. i want i want to win at a mile and a half or dover like i'd love to have a monster that'd be cool like mm-hmm. you know it's that's that's the idea right now is finishing building we got to keep showing our partners what we return to them and we're doing a great job at it and yeah that's you know a lot due to matt tift but i am um, he's very committed to trying to help me win a race in xfinity or you know if we can pull off one of the speedway in a cup car who knows right but yeah it's like the xfinity right now we want to go back and try to win try to run i'd like to run five races a year competitively with a car from rcr and, and try to win a race that's that's my goal as a driver right now that'll be pretty cool and you know, hope chevy you- chevy team your chevy partner yeah. oh yeah he's running a chevy truck this week could get his first Come national on win. maybe we'll yeah, put yeah. a good word in with bono for you yeah yeah we i've actually um i've run by tj in the garage and said you know i may, may try to drive that thing one day Dude, <laughs> that would be great that would be great to see just nothing just want a flat black truck with a skull on the front yeah that'd be cool oh, hell man. yeah oh. Yeah. crossbones no number just x <laughs> that would bone, be cool. bone yeah. x There's yeah, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's making no. past the approval yeah, process no exactly. but that's when like you send what you're, you're supposed to get approved guy. and then be like yeah comes out with smoke backs out red lights yeah yeah um three questions i ask all of our guests and you sir are no different if you had to pick one race car one type of race car era cup car whatever and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm going to say Darlington, but I'm going to say, you know, I really have to go back to probably a late nineties, early 2000 cup car. Okay. And, but I want, I want the most horsepower and I don't remember the rule packages, but I think, I think the top horsepower was like before Oh four. I, I was going to say Oh three. Yeah. Like twisted yeah. bodies. Yeah. Some, I want all that decked out yeah. and I want to run Darlington every week. Yes. Love that. Love he, that the answer. man wants to smoke. Yes. I want, oh, all, I want, ass, want all, all the smoke. smoke. Yeah. And, and narrow like, ass corners, <laughs> try to figure it all out. Yeah, like you're, that, you're talking it. like, what was that, 01 with Ricky with Ricky Craven and, and Kurt Busch? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. That, for yep. sure. All right, love that answer. What's your most embarrassing moment at the racetrack? I don't know. I'd have to think. There's been a couple, right? So. I don't know if you told us the one on the record. You were driving a super late model, and you couldn't see where you're going. Yeah, so this is so we could do that one. That's a funny one. I was 13, running my first super late model race at Orlando Speed World, and um, I was too. My head literally was like an inch above the door. My eyes were below the door. I was looking like it felt like I was looking in the sky trying to race this thing. And I still finished. I finished top ten in my first race. Imagine area, where you finished if you could see where you're going. Yeah. I know. Well, we. I finally <laughs> talked my dad into it. He's like, because I was 185 pounds at 13 yeah. years old. He's like, you got to be on the floor and all the way to the left. And I'm like, he's not wrong. I can't see. Like, I've got to be able to go see. by go by feel, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what he said. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, you're not getting power steering." He's like, the... "We're going to do this without power steering. That way, I don't have to hear the." No wonder why triceps are so You got to drive. You got to drive with your ass. Man, yeah. How many times yeah. you heard that? You got to drive this thing with your ass. No, yeah. you got to look. It's the truth, truth, though, right? Like yeah. you learn that way. You stay. You get in things and you go fast, yeah. right? So anyway, I come off the track at Orlando, to go down the hill, make a right, and then I hit a trash can. And trash goes everywhere. People see it, laughing at me, and I'm like. <laughs> That was a pretty embarrassing moment. All right, like I like that one. So, third question: If you had to take all of your racing memories and lose everyone but one, which one do you keep? I'd say pulling on the track at Daytona for the first time in a Cup car. Mm. Like just that was that was a goal to get the Cup and yeah. on the Daytona 500. 
and pulling on the track for that race is the one I would want to keep forever. Dude, I agree with that. Because cool. yeah. you work so freaking hard yes. to just get there. Because That's when it. you're on the other side of the fence, you're like, God, I just want to do that. Yeah, and, and it's so far away, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, you bust your ass for two and, well, decades and, and figure it out, or three really for me, yeah. and, and you, you get there and you're on the other side of the fence and you're like, wow, we, we did get here. Right. And yeah. it's like, that's a crazy feeling that I don't ever want to forget. I remember I was rolled to the end of pit road first practice and Joey comes by me and like, you could look in your mirror, right? Guys are making cue runs and Joey goes by. I'm like, holy. Yes. <laughs> it's I'm wild. It, the Daytona 500. Yes. Like that is bizarre. Absolutely. Now granted, I was the slowest car in Daytona. Don't that. matter. Doesn't matter. You made it. I was faster than <laughs> everybody else watching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, BJ, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I could sit here and talk for an hour and a half with you. Wow. Um, guys who uh, and fans who don't know the story, I'm sure they can appreciate you much more listening to you for just 20 minutes. But how can people go follow you guys on social media and keep up with uh, what you guys are doing? Yeah, the best thing is just check out the Live Fast website and all obviously all the social platforms and um, just keep pushing. We're all working hard. And just want to say that I'm proud of you, man. Like, appreciate Love that. this. Love this deal you got going on. And and um, I've been sitting there waiting for you to win a race because it's going to happen, man. I get, I feel it. It's a, it's, you've been getting closer and it's just, it's just cool to see the, the level you're racing at. So it's cool to get to hang out here with you, spend some time talking about cool stuff and, um, just, uh, rooting for you, man. Yeah. Appreciate you coming to the after party. Uh, absolutely. No, will. we're having it at his house. <laughs> yeah. No, we can't. If you want me to host it, I will. Oh my God. I'd hate to burn no your doubt. house down for the first time I, I've been over. You Sorry, know what? BJ. It is what it is. <laughs> It'll be a cool memory. All right. Hey, party at BJ's house whenever I win my first cup race. There you so, go. Yep. Yep. All right. Hey, thanks for jumping on a stack of pans yep. with us, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Ah. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I wish I could have sat there all day, Chuck, and talked to BJ. Oh, man, I wish you would have. That was I, good stuff. Dude, good content. Maybe we can just add him to a co-host. I'm fine. We can replace Merriman. Just a, yeah. Gladly. <laughs> like an upgrade. <laughs> like just the same body build, more skulls. More skulls. Definitely more skulls. Less Better, hair. Yeah. Better hair. You get all the fat jokes, Chuck, and then you go home crying. <laughs> That's fine. Slurp his monkfish stew. Now we can make monkfish stew jokes again now that Janie's not here. Janie, we got any penny for your thoughts questions? Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. She's not here anymore. She's not. So so. She's raw, She's wrapping Ross's hand right now over track house. Yeah, she's taping him up mm. for the next go around. Uh, so I guess, Chuck, I yeah. you get to read? I guess. Oh, I mean, you know. I Try know. yelling Chuck's name one time like Janie. Charles! Oh, no. <laughs> All right, we got one for you from Derek Sellers. Um, I want you to read it in like, your driver meeting okay. voice. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Derek Sellers, May 2nd, asked, what's your favorite moment that has happened throughout your entire racing career? This could be something on track, a funny moment, something impactful, etc. Thanks, dog. Hashtag penny for your thoughts. No, it's not thanks, dogs. Dog. What's my favorite moment? That's happened throughout my entire racing career. Man, there's a lot of good ones. 
I would say, you know, if I got asked the question that I asked BJ or all the other guests, if like I had to keep one racing memory and lose the rest, it would probably be that late model win at Rockingham after I crashed, left for hub broke on a brand new car we built over the off season, built a car, Eddie Sharps, we come back and won at Rockingham. That was a pretty watershed moment. That was probably one of the, the smaller watershed moments of my career, um, kind of set me up to put all the eggs in the racing basket. So winning a late mile race when I was 16 at Rockingham would be the one that I would keep. That was my favorite one. Bowman Gray was cool. Bowman Gray was cool. First K&N win there. Um, but I don't think that moment happens without driving an hour, well, three hours a day back and forth. No, to yeah, that's the old. Eddie Sharp's late model shop to build that. That that happened. Like, if I didn't do that, then I'm, I don't know, doing welding seats probably. Not driving race cars for a living. That is for sure. Got any other questions? Uh, send in your hashtag penny for your thoughts, questions. Also, make sure you guys like, download, share, rate, review, all the things. And also, tune in to Spare Change as we break down Darlington, 3 o'clock Eastern on FS1. The throwback Goodyear 400, guys. It's going to be a barn burner. Penny stacker of the week. I think I'm going to give it to a little kid with the Schluter Systems group. His name was Levi. Same name as my little guy. He was probably eight, super into it. Um, was right up to the car right before I got in. Just super pumped up to be there. He probably doesn't listen to the podcast, but Levi from Schluter, you, sir, are the penny stacker of the week. Not as many penny stackers I heard at Kansas. Maybe we haven't infiltrated that market yet. We might be do a little boots on the ground. I'm fine with that. I, I saw Corey LaJoy shirt right off the bat. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of people wearing merch i do like that makes me feel warm and fuzzy yeah also make sure you get speaking of merch get this sweet randy the joy shirt i ordered one i actually bought one with my own money i don't if you ordered it by the time this podcast comes out i don't think you'll be able to get it for darlington but this is a sick shirt it is um yeah it's gonna be a sick weekend down in darlington too chuck i'm excited about it oh one last thing i don't like asking you for much but after you get done liking this maybe giving it a comment slide on over to nascar dot com and slide your boy all-star vote appreciate that i'm not gonna vote for Corey, and neither should you because he should have to earn his way in the all-star race and he can do it i don't disagree with that you can do it i think so well i think you should have to win your way into the championship playoffs but you didn't do that last year skip i'm over it me, me too <laughs> talk to you next week bye